Do you wanna play a game? Do you like scary movies? Do you wanna eat some brains? Is your chainsaw arm groovy? How bloodthirsty could a talking plant be? Eat your liver with some fava beans and a nice candy. Come play with us forever, cause down here we all float. I never drink wine, so you're gonna need a bigger boat. Or a throat to choke, whether you're in the prim or dairy. Got red rum where your blood from. Put your dead son in the cemetery. It's him or carry. Be very afraid. You'll be our number one I'm fan and one get day. carried away. All working, no play, you know it. Always means you're in trouble, son. I came to chew gum and kick ass and I'm all out of bubble gum. What if Quint killed Jaws' his father? What if the Bob's body was marijuana? What if the leprechaun got a job as a bank guard? What if the wolfman had a cowbell instead of Every nards? scary movie made since Oscar Wilde was writing letters Had canon to watch them all and tell you how to make them better So put your earbuds in and forget what you're planning It's time to take our heads and shoot them out of a cannon 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 Welcome to Head Cannon. Tonight we have a very special show. One of our favorite guests. We love having you on. We love chatting with this guy, Mr. Adam Dix. How are you doing this evening? Oh, I'm doing good. Doing great. I was excited to watch the movie. Uh, it's been a while since I've watched this. This is a, a fun refresher. Yeah. I'd, I'd never seen it before, but I, I like this guy's other work. I've seen a couple of his other movies, so, but. Yeah, he's real good. Yeah, but so how, how, how have you been? What have you been up to? And just for people listening who may not know who you are, if you just want to tell them a little bit about, about yourself, maybe some stuff you've done they might have seen. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I'm Adam Dix. Uh, I work in the animation industry out here in L.A., and uh, currently I am freelancing and looking for work. Um, <laughs> the industry is kind of going through a little bit of a lull at the moment, and uh, the first thing being cut by the studios is animation, so we are currently in a very weird point in time, but uh, it's alright. Usually at this point in time, we normally go through ups and downs, but usually what it means is that people have a bit more time to work and build uh, interesting stories that have been well thought through, and then we get a lot of really good work that comes out and sort of revamps the industry a bit. Uh, good examples would be like Slapjack and Adventure Time, uh, Rick and Morty, uh, just all, all sort of within those time periods of lulls. So it's not forever, but at the moment, uh, yeah, on the freelance side of things, uh, most recently I wrapped up on a film over at uh, Warner Brothers that didn't get cut when everything was getting cut, so we're doing alright there. Uh, but I can't talk about it more than just saying that I worked on a thing. <laughs> um, and that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> nice, that's a... But it's cool. It's, it's very out of my comfort zone and very... Um, it's, a, it's a big property that people I think are going to geek about, which will be fun. Nice. That's awesome. Sweet. What do you? What have you been up to, Brent? Since I talked to you on what Monday? Oh yeah, that's right. We, yeah, we just talked on Monday. Not a whole lot. We had a kickball game today, or my daughter did. She's in the third grade. She scored a home run, which is cool. Nice. And then and kickball, it might seem kind of like not interesting to go watch, but if with both teams wearing a uniform and like 
a very expressive referee is like pretty entertaining. And it was like, <laughs> it was pretty intense. Like Scarlett kicked the ball and like went through this girl's legs and she like went all around the bases. And it was cool. Nice. How old is she? Nine. Yeah, so it was just like a bunch of nine-year-olds. It was funny and, and exciting. Okay. Well, that's also the age where like they start getting good and slightly competitive. That like it actually becomes a lot more entertaining than just sort of the standard like yeah. ball route of just swing and a miss. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah. Like like one girl was like trying to like steal base. You know, like she was like creeping up, and the other girl had the ball, and you can't like throw it at them. You can tag them with it. Mm-hmm. But like until the ball goes back to the pitcher, like it's if the, if, it, if, it, if there's a play going, you can you can run the bases as much as you want. Nice. Anyway, it's exciting. <laughs> it's cool. That's awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Sweet. Well, Adam, do you want to do you want to mention the uh, the movie we're talking about and kind of what your your history with sure. it and you know kind of what 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 made uh, you pick this movie? Yeah. Um, so we watched Bong Joon Ho's The Host, hmm. which is a essentially like a creature feature um, that Quentin Tarantino lauded as like the best movie he'd seen in like twenty years. <laughs> um, it's just it's a weird it's a weird one because like the character acting is really cool, it's really interesting and unique, but it takes place sort of in uh, Seoul and South Korea in uh, in the early two thousands. Um, and the premise is, is that through the American government uh, or the American military system in, in Korea that a bunch of formaldehyde was dumped into the Han River and it's created a monster that begins preying on people. Um, and that's based on a true story. The formaldehyde. Yeah. I saw that. Formaldehyde. Yeah. Like a mortician. It was a mortician that told his, his people to pour it into the... See, I was ready this time. You... <laughs> You're usually so good at like doing some back research on this that I actually spent some time watching reviews with Bong Joon Ho talking about them and being like, I gotta know more about this stuff now. And I'll shut up before I before I interject. No, it's great. No, well, and I like and that scene. The guy was so like. Because this, this movie's obviously very critical of, like, American interventionalism and, like, the American presence presence in South Africa and... Uh, South Korea. South Korea. What is... South, yeah, sorry. Yes, South Korea. And by extension, like, you know, our presence throughout the world. But, man, that first scene where the guy was just like, pour it down the drain, Mr. Kim. And he's like, but... He's like, no, this is, this is a terrible idea. Like, we can't do this. And he was like, I said, pour it down the drain. Like... Yeah, and it, I mean, he, he even pulls rank. Like, he's like, it's a quarter. Yeah. 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 And when the Can camera pans, the, the shot of all of the bottles. Because <laughs> at first I was like, why is he, like, well, okay, the worker is doing a real, is doing a shitty thing by pouring it down, but, like, what's the big deal? Just a couple things. But then. Oh, yeah. It's a lot of bottles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like hundreds of bottles. So I was like, why? Why do they even need that much formaldehyde? Like. Also, why just don't one get rid of it? Just sell it. Right. Just because it had a little bit right. of dust on it, you know? Yeah. But that, is, but that would that would go against the doctor's, you know, like, like will. Right. You know, he, no, this is not good for anyone to use. Right. <laughs> when, and he was like, he was like, I hate dust more than anything. <laughs> so, like, really? <laughs> well, I think, if anything, it just goes, is like a commentary on, like, there's, 
there is really oftentimes no reason. It's just like you just gotta do what the American doctor says. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but we, uh, when I, I watched this with my daughters actually, and we, there was a point where. I I think it was when the monster's chasing them, when the monster finally emerges out of the river and everything, like, because, like, the very first moment you meet the main character, uh, I'm, I'm gonna pronounce these names probably totally incorrectly, but Gangdu, or whatever his name is, the main character, um, he's, like, falling and tripping over himself the first time you meet him, so my daughters and I kind of had this game where we started counting how many falls there were throughout the movie, and they were... I don't even know how, like, over a dozen. Like, people are constantly just, like, falling and tripping in this movie. Yeah. I love that actor. I've seen him in a couple things and never, like, webbed them all together, like Parasite. And I think he's, like, he's, like, the weird dude in, in Snowpiercer is another, like, sci-fi yeah. movie he's in. Yeah. Yeah, well, no, I like him. Those are both the same director, too, right? The I thought so. I Bond thought so. Movie. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I thought both those movies are great. I love, I love... I love Parasite. I mean, they're, they're, all these movies are really good, but man, Parasite yeah. is such a good movie. Yeah. yeah. Somebody had brought up, brought up to me uh, the other day, we were recently just talking uh, amongst a group of friends of mine and I about him as a director and how thematically he always tends to sort of talk about social structure mm-hmm. in terms of like upper class and middle class and lower class. And I feel like he does it in this as well with, like, the kids who are just trying to get food. And they sort of make reference to this, like, you know, if you're trying to steal food, like, socially, it's not really a crime. It's not really – you can't steal money, but you can steal food because, like, that's the bare minimum to survive. Uh, and I think it's an interesting point in terms of, like, his movies that um, we were talking specifically about how he oftentimes negates the use of middle class at all. And how he really focuses on like upper class and like elite sort of people versus like the undercrust, uh, which is obviously super evident in Snowpiercer and, and Parasite. But I, it was interesting to look at the host in that context and be like, oh, it is absolutely in there, right? Uh, but through the guise of a monster movie. Yeah, yeah, that is. A, I I like that that saying. Uh, I've I've seen it everywhere, but it's like, um, you know, if you see somebody stealing food. No, you didn't. You know, like. Oh, okay. That sounds cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Well, my family's had this like allergy thing going on. Yeah. I've got, like, You're just breathing in Adam's hookah smoke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what flavor is that? Um. Are you looking at it? You're going to make me a mix of stuff. No, I was trying to think of what they what they gave me, but they never really announced to me. I just sort of trust them and make me what they want at this point. I'm friendly with the, the yeah. staff here so they they always they know what i like yeah cool is how like what it, is it just like they they'll pack it in there for you and then that's what you buy or you buy like a cup of it yeah it? so like there's no so like yeah they they get like the, the hookah itself and then like the the head of it has like a flavored tobacco that you can pick whatever flavors, they bring that out, and they put it onto the hookah itself, and then put the coals over the top. You know, it's like a very lazy bomb. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's actually, it's, it's literally like a precursor to your vape. Yeah, okay, yeah. Sorry about that, gentlemen. I got some cough drops, and you're good to go. Okay. <laughs> you're gonna it's, like, it's allergy season in your house, is that what you said? 
I feel like it is because it was it it like got hot for a couple days, and then it's been like down in the thirties for the last few days. So I feel like everybody in my family has been like sniffing and snuffling and like, which I felt pretty much fine. But then today I, I woke up and I was like, oh, I kind of don't feel fine, you know. You gotta get the spray. The spray. The spray. That's what my doctor. Because I got bad allergies. My doctor was like, my doctor was like, dude, stop taking the pills. <laughs> yourself and then I just I'll do this it's like spray okay and it works really well huh good podcast material yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's adult stuff <laughs> yeah this is talking about boogers <laughs> may or may not get cut out we'll have to see you'll have to see but alright yeah but man I was the whole thing about the the virus I didn't quite know what to make of that cause there's and even the name of the movie is the host and right you know, which they, they talk about the monster hosting a virus, but then kind of the, I don't know if you want to call it a twist, but it kind of comes out later that, like, there's not even a virus. Like, they're just kind of, you know, yeah. looking for this virus yeah, that doesn't the, even exist. The utilization of, like, of, of essentially a, like, what is the word I'm looking for? The utilization of, like, like a big traumatic event you know, being used to, like, further whatever the U.S. is, like, trying to do in South Korea, or, like, they just see it as an opportunistic sort of moment to seize control or seize power. So, in this case, like, shut down, essentially, South, like, that city in particular, which is a major point in sort of the economic hub of Korea. I think, I think it sort of shows the Americans in that light being opportunistic for that sort of thing and making a bigger thing than it needs to be for their own means and ends, which I think is director's sort of commentary specifically in, you know, I, this this also came around sort of post 9-11 mm-hmm. um, in terms of like how the U.S. used weapons of mass destruction as like a reason to invade Iraq when really there were no there weapons of mass destruction. Yeah, there weren't any. So I think it's using that as like a parallel. Yeah, that makes sense. No, I like that. And I've also heard that that kind of thing, especially when you when you use a disaster or some kind of, you know, anything like that to go in and especially when you use it to like extract the resources and I've heard it uh, called disaster capitalism. And, and like actually one of my favorite books, it's a book called uh, the shock doctrine by Naomi Klein. Um, She talks about how like, especially like, well, she goes like into the history of like this guy named Milton Friedman and the university of Chicago and kind of how like, you know, in the seventies, the CIA was, they were toppling, democratically elected governments in South America so that we could, so that American corporations could go down and install puppet dictators to like free up their resources and pillage and plunder. Oh, like, like my home country, Chile. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like basically every country in South America. Yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, just utilizing, uh, inflation and, uh, any kind of disaster, like physical disasters too, but especially like economic disasters. So. Sorry, there's a fire truck. <laughs> for for our listeners, Adam's in a cafe, so we're we're uh we're getting the uh, ambulance or what? You said a fire truck rolling by? A fire yeah. Truck, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. They're heading off to a disaster that that somebody's just waiting yeah, to like profit off of. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed those um like fumigation trucks in the movie. What do you want? Are antibacterial? Sm- I remember those from the pandemic. Seeing those coming out of like footage from Asia. It was oh, either yeah. China or Japan. I remember seeing them. 
And it was so shocking to me. But then I see this in a movie from 2006. And I'm thinking like, man, other countries have like plans put in place like that are much better than ours. <laughs> and I don't know what the trucks do. Maybe the trucks just help people feel better about you. Who knows? You know, I don't know what. You spray some some hookah dust out your, your <laughs> fucking back of the truck, you know. And maybe it's maybe it's like being an antibiotic or um, antibacterial to things, but yeah, it was just nice to see like a group of people like coming together to at least do something, even though it was fake. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, even even to that point. So as I was sort of doing some research behind the film, um, Bong Joon Ho did an interview where he specifically discussed uh, how it's not so much that the Americans are necessarily the sole villain of the piece. It all, he also talks about how specifically when it came to the divide of North and South Korea, how South Korea has been so complicit in some of the elements of like just the U.S.'s moves, uh-huh. uh, geopolitically speaking, and how he sort of depicts that with the use of like the medical people and the, and the police and how like dismissive they are and sort of of Gongdu's character and how, you know, the people in authority are just sort of following orders rather than actually caring about what's actually happening uh, to individuals in the scenario and situation, which I think is super evident, particularly with, like, there's that scene where Gongdu is sort of behind the plastic and the police officer is, like, specifically mocking him, being like, (laughs) see, he's just crazy. Right. Yeah, and yeah, so that was an interesting use of sort of like because it really could have been a very anti-American film, and really it's sort of showing the struggle of what this culture is now post Korean War. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think there's a lot of nuance, and yeah, and there is a lot of like even within South Korea, uh, you know, like you said, that being complicit there. But there's even like early on when they're fighting the monster when he first comes out of the river. And, and this, I mean, this, there has to be a reason for it, right? It has to be intentional that he has, like, an American, like, this white guy run up, and it's, like, him and Gangdu, like, fighting this monster together, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff like that in this movie particularly that I think is what makes it so compelling is that the use of metaphor comes through really clearly that there is obvious metaphor here, but you definitely have to sit and, like, chew on it, because I still am, like, is it that we like? Is that the, the reason why the Americans are like so involved? Is that the American was in, like injured in the process and became sort of had an allergic reaction to the monster, and like therefore they were able to use you know the virus as as like a reason. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. There is something involved there that I th- I don't think I fully understand the whole metaphor of right. Yeah. Yeah, and I also I read that apparently North Korea. I don't know if they issued a statement or whatever, but apparently uh, North Korea really enjoyed this film, which is unique. Apparently, they, they don't usually <laughs> like it South Korea getting shit on. What's that? Well, no, <laughs> <laughs> because it should. I th- I think it was more the uh, the anti-American critiques that that really uh, spoke to North Korea about. <laughs> yeah. I can fully see that. I mean, even especially with like South, the South Korean elements being so complicit right. with the handling of like the scenario, I'm sure that like they they probably were thrilled about it. Yeah, yeah. North so Korea. This is everything we're fighting against schools in North Korea. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, kill like first grade like classrooms. 
Yeah. <laughs> when I like, yeah, I like to think that uh, Kim Jong Il. Who's the, which one's the yeah. guy now? Is it Il or Un? Un. Un. Kim Jong Un. I like to think that he's like he loves this. Like his head cannon for this movie is that yeah, America and South Korea is fucking up. And then here comes North Korea riding in on like white horses, and just yeah, just like blasting the monster from space. That would be that would be Kim Jong Un's uh, head cannon for this movie. hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. But he's behind as far as the monster rifle, movie. What did... <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Oh no, no, you're good. Uh, no, I was gonna say, but like as far as a monster movie, what what did you guys think just in terms of like a B movie? sort of I thought it was really cool I thought the design of the monster was unique and like the way it flipped under the bridge like it would flip from its tail to its hands you know um and then I guess you you probably read this too but I guess the director based it off of a like a fish he like somebody actually found a fish with an s-shaped spine or something because it it had been it had been exposed to some kind of pollution and so I guess that's what the the director uh, took like took inspiration from that and wanted a monster with this like sco- with scoliosis basically he was like I want a scoliosis monster <laughs> so let's yeah. give it a reason it has to flip under bridges yeah <laughs> yeah and it it, 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 it it like was very elegant when it did it too you know mm-hmm. it was as though it was like on the uneven bars in the <laughs> yeah it was a full gymnast right yeah. <laughs> and you get a bunch, and like all the South Korean judges are like holding up like nine point seven, you know. <laughs> right, right. And which is funny because the the, the sister is um, she's an Olympic um, yeah. archer. Yeah, yeah. Which is cool. Immediately, I was like, "There's some major foreshadowing here." I bet. <laughs> yeah. She yeah. up a, a monster. Yeah. Gotta be, which I love that actress, uh, Bay Duna. She, I, I mostly just know her from. She's done a bunch of stuff with the Wachowskis. Like she did Cloud, a- Cloud Atlas, Jupiter Ascending, and okay. one of my favorite TV shows of all time, uh, Since Eight. If it, if nobody's seen, if you haven't yeah, seen Since Eight, oh, I, yeah. lo- I fucking love Since Eight. Yeah, yeah, she's so good in it. But yeah, she's she's particularly great in Sense Eight. But she's she's very good in this. I mean, the fam- the family in general is like, top notch. Like their mm-hmm. dynamic and like their opinions and thoughts about each other is so plain in terms of how like they act with each other and how they think about each other. And that's great. Like ooh, the, the dad in particular, I think, is so good, and like his death scene is wild. Yeah, yeah. And just every, you know, just the way he, and as, I really love the scene where he explains to the, and it's kind of funny, like, when Gangdu is, like, he's fallen asleep, and his brother, his brother's like, how can he sleep at a time like this? And he's like, listen, what's he, he, he like, tells him the whole story of, like, how he was, he had such a hard childhood, and the, the dad feels bad, and he's like, you know, and I sit in this, uh, oh, and he's like, says maybe he, something's wrong with him because he's nutrient deficient at some point, um, but he's like, but he's like, you know, I listen, I sit in here with him all day and I can, I, he says, when he farts, I know if he's A plus or B minus. <laughs> I didn't really know what that meant. <laughs> yeah, I guess it just means that, if he's. That whole sequence is really interesting because it starts with them eating and then the, the little girl who gets kidnapped by uh, the monster, like, reaches her hand around and then suddenly, like, with the family eating dinner, sort of showing how she's the glue to the whole family yeah. and how they all fit together. And then it goes into that conversation of like him falling asleep, and then the way it turns at the end, where like 
the two other siblings fall asleep because their dad's droned on so long they really have no interest in paying attention to him. But then suddenly Gong Du is just awake and he can see the monster and he's like, don't move, it's right there. Yeah. Like, that that sequence in particular, like, defines that movie for me. It's so good. Yeah. You know, you're, you're absolutely right. And I didn't, like, I love the part with the little girl. Man, that was so moving. Like, just... You know, when the, the, like, kind of the spirit of the girl comes when they're all eating. Um, but I didn't think about that. Yeah, that's basically all one sequence. And yeah, it's so good. Yeah, it does a lot in a very small amount of time, um, which just speaks to his credibility as a film director. Like, he's he's very, very smart with his scenes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and man, that, that, and the father's death scene, it's compounded by the fact that. That he he basically dies because Gangdu miscounted the bullets, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, and I, yeah. <laughs> well, and I think I think in in any situation, like it's natural to feel guilt, and even even if you didn't have anything to do with anything, like there's you know survivor's guilt is a real thing, but but I mean this this is a situation where like you know Gang Gangdu wouldn't be wrong to kind of, like, feel a little bit of guilt here, you know what I mean? Yeah, and his reaction to the father's death, and just, like, he could have just run, but the fact that he just collapses, and just, like, in his, in his grief, heartbreak of that moment, yeah. in his grief in that moment, yeah, and then gets caught by the government, and the way it plays out then later is... Yeah. Whew. Yeah, and, yeah, caught by the government, like, all semi-lobotomized, or, like, whatever. Okay, yeah. What did they do to him? Because he seemed totally fine afterward. They drilled a hole no in his brain, and yeah. then he was like, "Okay." Yeah, I don't know if that was if if that was like almost his superpower, because he's like maybe he's like functioning on a different wavelength from normal people anyway. <laughs> so like drilling into his frontal lobe just didn't do a whole like. He was His able cortex to... and frontal lobe are, are flopped. Yeah, I don't know. He's like, ah! <laughs> yeah, he, he keeps he keeps his lizard brain up here. I don't know. Yeah. Well, like the doctor in that scene is so wild too, because as soon as you see him and his eyes are just like slightly crossed and you're like something's off. Yeah. Like the casting on that yeah. was really like, clever. Yeah. And, oh, and, and and is that the scene where the that's the one where the subtitles go away, right? Where he's speaking, yeah. the doctor speaking, which was so man, I thought that was so great because then you're like, I mean, it's just showing this this uh, language barrier, right? Between and and to be able to do that with subtitles, I thought was just, I was like, ah, oh, that's so such a good idea. And that's well, the scene we find out consider it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting to consider, too, like, that's something that must have specifically been done for the American audience as opposed to, like, the Korean audience would have understood the Korean just fine. Yeah. Well, see, yeah, oh, that's true. I, I was wondering if they, if they like, didn't subtitle it in English to have the reverse effect, but yeah. I guess it wouldn't have had the same effect because the whole rest of the movie wasn't in English, so... Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's an. In, I, I'd be curious to see the Korean version for that scene in specific because it's a really specific thing to to the American audience that like it helps us feel the desperation of Gong Yoo just a little bit more and the fact that like he could barely understand what the doctor's saying. Yeah, but just enough to like catch on what's going on, which is really interesting, and it just feels like almost out of grasp, but he gets it. 
yeah. it feels really well paid off. Oh. Yeah, well, and, and the, yeah, and the doctor's, like, almost leading him on. He's like, that's that scene, right, where the doctor's like, oh, wait, I believe you. Yeah. Why haven't you told anybody? Like, yeah, we should definitely get on this. And then he's just, like, just just well, pulling his it's, leg. It's commentary on just, like, American niceness and how, like, we could be saying one thing and meeting another so often in how our language works and how our demeanor works. Yes, but I, I would imagine, especially when it comes to, like, diplomacy, like, foreign... Yeah, uh, foreign diplomacy, right? But yeah, and then there's one. There's just this is kind of a. I want to. I want to make sure I catch this. Uh, even, I think we've moved a little bit past this, but I really like when he's like roasting the squid at the beginning of the movie. I was <laughs> yeah. like, I was like, is it like squid jerky? Is it like dried out squid? And then and then he takes a leg and is chewing on it or a tentacle. I did that whole that whole bit about the squid. Like I thought that was that was. It was just funny, yeah. you know? It's, it's weird. I'm like, there's things like culturally that I was like, why would you even put that in a movie? But it must make total sense in South Korea. Like, like listen, Matt number four, they needed nine tentacles on their squid. Right. You gave the one with eight. You ate the tentacle. And I was yeah. like, okay, that's weird. Like, how do they, but everyone there must know, like, this only has eight tentacles. Yeah. Yeah. They're sitting there. Yeah. <laughs> They're, they're like, I'd be fucking pissed if I got a squid with only nine tentacles. Like, yeah, especially the longer ones that are apparently really good. Apparently, right. and everyone in the theater in Korea is like, "Oh yes, the longer." Ones. Yeah, they're yeah. like, "I'm chewing on one right now." <laughs> well, I think I think because this was I think produced by Warner Brothers, if I'm not wrong. Okay, I, I could be wrong, but. I think he knew that it was going to be an international film. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's an element of him choosing really specifically cultural things for like the Korean family feeling very sort of working class Korean, where like this would be something that they would know yes. that he would, that helps give that separation between like the American audience and the Korean sort of perspective. Yeah. Um, off that scene though, like, when he finally does give that group of people like the right tentacle and he's carrying like the extra beers that the dad's given, like the introduction of the monster in that scene is so good. Yeah. Cause you somehow are focused on him amongst the crowd so effectively. And yeah, he's the only one with like the blonde hair, but like the fact that he like has the beers as like the thing to like throw into the, yeah. to throw at the monster to see it react. And then everybody then starts chucking it. It's such a good <laughs> use of like, I don't know, like, he's sort of the one to make, like, here's a dumb decision. Like, why don't we just sort of throw a thing into the river and see what it does? Yeah. And then everybody follows. Yeah. Well, and, and I like that, like, you you first see it, like, hanging from the bridge, and uh, and then it, like, slips in the water, and then they're, like, throwing the stuff to it, and it's close to them, but it's underwater. And then it kind of disappears, and then the next time you see it, it's like down the at camera the camera turns. Yeah. 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 The camera turns and it's, and got, it's running towards the camera. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, it's so good. Yeah. And it's, and I feel like, and th- this was a big budget movie for South Korea. I think it was like $10 million, something like that. Or, 11, I think. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. Which I feel like with a bigger budget, I think, I think the monster looked great. And especially the fact that they had it out, like in the daylight, like, like, there was no hiding. They were like, here's the monster, full display. We're not even going to try to conceal it. Like, here's the whole thing. 2007. 2007. <laughs> it, it didn't look perfect, but I thought it looked it looked pretty fucking good, I thought. They, they did a good job at the end 
scenes when the monster's running past these pylons and the brother chucking the mul- the Molotov the cocktail at it. Yeah. To show, to show, yeah, they, they purposely digitized the monster behind the pylon so that the the, the, the bottle would smash against it. Mm-hmm. Miss, missing the monster, but showing like showing the speed of which it was moving and yeah. stuff. I thought yeah. it was like, that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? What I said? Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's one of the things I really appreciate about, about the movie was like, he really looked at like 1950s, like B movie monsters where he was just like, no, we're just going to just show it from the get. Like, there's yeah. not going to be a mystery about it. We're not going to hide it, and, like disappoint the audience. We're going to make it really front and center and really show it off. And yeah, granted at the time, even for the budget it had, like a very limited design capability, very limited sort of graphics that could exist. Yeah. And like, unashamedly showing it in all of its, you know, maybe technical ugliness, but like money well spent yeah. where it was spent. Uh, I mean, um, it it looked a million times better than than The Rock in the Scorpion King, right? Which I think came out oh, about totally. the same time, you know. <laughs> Yeah, they showed the like the anatomy of the inside of its mouth really well. Yeah. To the, to the point where you're like, oh, that's where it would hold a person until it would like spit it out in the sewer yeah. to save it for later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's well thought through. Yeah. I love for some reason the fact that it just looks like a weird trout cracks me up because <laughs> the fact that it's a fish does not leave the design in any way. It's so funny. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, with a, a weird trout with like amphibian like, and I love how clumsy <laughs> yeah. and like it's like it's not graceful on land at all. Like it's stumbling all over the place. <laughs> no, it's yeah. only graceful when it's doing gymnastics on a bridge. Under, yeah, right. <laughs> this tail. Yeah, it's like a possum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did it have like little bitty legs that like seemed like they weren't useful at all? Like because of like the weird like. Not, I think from the, so. From, from I, I think it had like two front legs and two back legs, and I think it had like dorsal fins still attached that kind of walked about a bit. Maybe that's what I thought. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I watched it on my laptop, so it was really small. Mm-hmm. Okay. No. Now, what? When it was like sucking the people up and spitting them in the sewer, was it just saving food for later? Is that is that what? Yeah, you, I think so. Okay. I was trying yeah, to. Yeah, that's think, why. Like. It would, it would drag a person with its tail too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I was I was trying to figure. At first, I was like, "Is it try, is it like stockpiling food? Like, is it gonna try to have babies or something?" Or, but yeah, I think I think cool. it just yeah, it just seemed like it was just storing up some food, like a. <laughs> well, I think in terms of like a plot a plot device of keeping the daughter alive until the very end, like yeah. they needed a reason. <laughs> right. So like, yeah. Yeah, it's just collecting food. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, when it, like, is done digesting and it just, like, spews out all the bones. Yeah. That was so sick. Yeah, that bone <laughs> waterfall just... Ugh. Yeah. That and that's was what awesome. the dad sees when he finally gets to her at the end, you know? He just sees, like, yeah. a bunch of bones. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, a weird, and, and like, a can of beer. Cool. The can of beer comes out of it, too. It yeah, right and it does the same, like, little spray thing that we've seen before, and I don't necessarily know why... But the daughter, like, has this connecting point with, like, her dad, with, like, the beer sort of spraying. Yeah. When she because even said... They're cause... talking about their favorite foods, right? And yeah. She goes, I, yeah. I just like a beer for some weird reason. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I get, yeah, maybe like Adam said, because it com- connects back to her dad. Connects like, to dad, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I get that now for sure. That's yeah. cool. 
<laughs> but specifically, and I think if that's the case, then it makes sense that like when the kids are talking about like what they what the first thing they want to eat once they get out of this situation is is her go to is like I want a beer, which I think reflects to her like wanting her dad. Yeah, because that means she's going to be sitting in front of a TV watching sports or something. Yeah, and out with her yeah. Dad. yeah. And and my only thought about the fact that it was spraying was that it was like she almost she could have had a beer. It, it, it was so close within her grasp but then it just like yeah. but but no she can't have it you know yeah but uh there was another this was just a little minor detail it may mean nothing but when they announced uh late like toward the b- middle of the movie that the u.s army guy who was infected or they announced that he had died right yeah they were like they were like at 4 20 p.m this afternoon blah 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 and i was like is there, I don't know, like, you could make it literally any time, like, why 420, you know? <laughs> like, and I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how weed culture is in Korea. That's the thing, yeah, I don't know if there's any, if there has any kind, or if maybe it was just the translator sneaking in a joke, like, hey, well, I just, I'm just gonna put 420 in here, you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe, I don't, I don't know. know. I, I like the, the grandpa a lot, and I don't know anything about, like, Korean stereotypes, but like I feel like they were like throwing a lot onto him in that like where he's like trying to bribe like an officer, and then like when they finally get out of the hospital, like he seemingly like knows a guy, you know that like can provide them with all this like equipment, right? Which I thought was a cool scene. It was interesting, like (laughs) yeah, like yeah. I mean, if anything, I think if anything, it just sort of shows that like. They're at the level of like impoverishment that they need like a black market scenario to like get the things that they need. Yeah. They're close um, to it. Yeah. 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 Well, and another character that yeah. kind of comes out of nowhere is like the homeless guy that appears at the very end to help them like fight <laughs> the monster. I was like, <laughs> I was like, where the? Well, f- I think that goes back. I think that goes back to like sort of commentary on like social structures and sort of like the under the underdressed is the only one that's kind of providing any help and here's like the elitist brother who went to college who's like ragging on him and traction on him and here's the, like, this homeless guy who's still like on board with helping them out right um, yeah I fully thought he died when he fell off that bridge I forgot what happened to him after that <laughs> oh yeah oh the ho- the homeless guy no, the brother. The brother fell off the bridge. Oh, I thought like, I, fell asleep, I thought he out. died, and then when the sister got knocked out in the sewer, I was like, "Did she just die too?" I I almost thought they were just picking everybody off, and it was just going to be down to Gangdu, you know? Yeah, which I mean, I think is probably an intentional, it's an intentional decision in terms of like thinking like the only person left to save the world is Gangdu, but like in reality, the three of them come together in the end to try and save her. Uh, in that final sort of fight, which is is kind of nice in terms of like their their mission for family is still very present in even like post their like potential deaths. Yeah, yeah. They all seem to have like just like how the guy is super realist to like you know tryptification or whatever the, the drill in the brain. Like they all seem to like be like superheroes at times. <laughs> like just you don't even realize it. Like even like breaking out of the hospital. I know some of yeah. us had to like he was playing on like the politeness of a of a culture of people, but like they're barreling through people and they like don't know how to subdue 
<laughs> the Peggy sisters just like taking a stroll to the car while they're being chased. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they, yeah. Yeah, they thought they left her behind and then she's like, hey, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, I also thought, like, not only, you know, is this a, 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 a critique of American interventionism and I think probably you know, South Korean policies and all that. But even the way, like, there are protesters at the very end, like, uh, the ending, you know, the climax takes place with all these protesters, like, protesting governmental actions and all this. Um, But even they, I think they get satirized a little bit because they get torn the fuck up by the monster because they're, like, they're in the wrong place in the wrong time. Ostensibly, like, protesting... And they get get torn up by, like, the government, too, with the Agent Orange. Yeah, 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 they get caught in the middle, you know? Yeah. Well, with, with Agent <laughs> Yellow, right? Which was a... Was, or Agent Yellow, that's eight, what they called it. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I, yeah. I see what you're doing. Please run away until you cannot hear this message. Like, that's what was important. That's how far away they needed to be. <laughs> yeah. Which, that was a weird... That little, like, robot or whatever that deployed the Agent Yellow, that was a... I, I, was, I, was, I was like, what is that fucking thing at first? But... Yeah, it was an interesting looking device. Mm-hmm. It felt yeah, very IMDb. much like, like something designed yeah. for like an anime. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, IMDb said that um, they designed it to look like the monster while it was like hanging from the bridge. Oh, huh. okay. Interesting. I don't know how true that is. Huh. I, I read it on the internet. Networking. Yeah. Yeah. I- but it looked cool. I wonder what the substance was like in reality, what they actually dropped to make it. Because it looked really cool. Mm-hmm. It did. It was like, yeah. like a the weight non really fluid or whatever kind of looking thing. It was neat. Yeah. It was It was just like condensed hookah smoke. <laughs> was... That's right. <laughs> yeah. They just had some like crunchy hippies blowing vape smoke down from like a yellow ball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but man, also when he's like, the whole, the whole sequence with him like th- throwing Molotov cocktails at the monster... And I love that he has that one last Molotov cocktail, and he's like, hey, he like has it lined up perfectly, and then he yeah. fucking drops the bottle behind him as he tries to yes. throw it. I was like, oh, that's so perfect. Yeah. Well, like, his character using that as a weapon being, like, the family drunk right. is poignant, and the fact that, like, it plays off that way in the end, that, like, he can get most things done, but like he's still gonna he's still gonna fail at some things because he's a drunk. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, he's gonna fuck up at some point. And oh, something about like someone throwing that like the image of someone throwing a Molotov cocktail like is so like powerful. You know, there's like like the, the, there's like even like the the Banksy art that you see. It's like there's some <laughs> of that going on. Yeah. Just like the, I don't know, like like an almost like a football throw. It just looks so cool. It's like such a symbol of like rebellion. Yeah, it's yeah. And very, I'm wondering if that Banksy piece had been done yet by that point in time, but I wonder if like that iconography became like the reason that character got made yeah. for that moment. Or yeah, which came first, the chicken or the egg type thing? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I guess we really have to talk about the ending at least. We could go back and touch on other things, but I mean, yeah, the ending where. I mean, first off, when Gong Du's the one that stops the monster with that, was he? He has a pole or something. Um, yeah. Well, it was the same. It was the same thing that he was fighting against it with with the American. 
Okay, like, a, like the street yeah, sign. Yeah, like a sign. Yeah. The street sign. Then he, like, removed the sign and removed the weight and then used the pole. He like, upgraded his strategy. Yeah. 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 And, and then stands his ground, right? Like, he digs his feet in and, like, stands his ground against the monster, you know? Um, yeah. But... But the homeless guy, the homeless guy was above, just like, like it was some sorority chick at a bar, just like pouring shots of like of vodka down, down his throat, man. And the thing just like, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. gasoline. Um, drinking, yeah. I mean, in terms of the 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 whole point was to save the little girl and to choose to have her die in the end to save the little boy. Yeah, it still strikes me as like it's such a very un-American ending to a film. The fact that like after all the fight, she still dies. Yeah, it's a really interesting choice. It's a really interesting take. And I like I remember the first time I saw it being like, what? Like what was even the point? <laughs> but I guess in, in the rewatch now for me, the fact that the dad is going to talk he really needed protection in the end, uh, socially, and had like a means to, you know, take care of him. It's interesting to see that ending because it's such a weird, un-American ending. Yeah, yeah. The American in me was like, it should end like Goonies. You know, like Chunk is <laughs> yeah. like, hey, sloth, you're gonna you're gonna live with me now. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they could have both been in the in the DMV Yeah. Well, and I, I agree because that, that was my reaction too. Because I and you know I like I like you know movies with dark endings. There's a I don't want to spoil it for anybody, so I won't I won't say the name for anybody who doesn't know. But there's a Stephen King adaptation where a child dies at the end. I love it. I think it's one of the best endings ever. So I'm not I'm not opposed to that kind of thing. But I have to admit, at the end, when the, when the girl died in this movie, I was like. I was like, no, I don't like that. No, no, thank you. <laughs> but again, the fact that like, I almost, you know, what I almost thought was that he, he picked up the wrong child, like he grabbed oh, the wrong hand earlier. That would have been I funny. I was like, oh, wait, is this another gag? I was like, this is a weird. They have the weirdest sense of humor. These people. <laughs> they're just, they're all <laughs> mourning over this like, oh, other oh, dad, man, and then this other dad is like, wait, that's my daughter. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same girl yeah, from I mean, earlier. With, with that parallel element, like it, it, it definitely feels like a like it, it was thought about. Like the fact that that scene does happen in terms of the loss of a daughter, and in this case, like this kid doesn't have a parent, so what does he do? Yeah. After the after everything's played out, I think it's if anything, it's sort of going into the commentary of like we as the people need to take care of each other in the face of like catastrophe and like government agencies trying to like dictate how we should maneuver and feel through all of these sort of you know scenarios yeah um, but it's it's a bleak ending for such like a silly kind of romp of a movie yeah yeah which but i the mean comedy in it was weird because it was like definite like a lot of comedy in the beginning Mm-hmm. And then it like flipped over. There's yeah. a movie called Vampire in Brooklyn with Eddie Murphy that I remember as a kid watching. It does the same thing, where it's like a comedy and then it switches to horror. Yeah. Well, even like pa- Parasite, I feel like does that a lot. Um, I yeah. Think, I don't know. Was there much? It's been a long time since I've seen since I've seen Snowpiercer. Was there? Did that have some it's comedy? Bleak for the whole thing. It's pretty bleak. <laughs> yeah, it's got comic relief in it, but it's it's like still it's like dark. Yeah. 
Yeah. The teacher suddenly has a new CD. She's like firing a bunch of, you know, next to like a bunch and of hard I think if anything, too, like, I think that's what makes his movies so enjoyable is, like, it's not just one tone the whole way through. Yeah. Right. Like, he really takes you on, like, an emotional journey when it comes to the silliness of, like, the scenario and situation. He acknowledges it, or the seriousness of it, or, you know, the trauma of it. That just, I don't know, it's what makes him as a director really interesting, generally, just because he gives you so many different ways to feel about a situation. Yeah. No, I yeah I agree. I, I I love that about his movies, or well, at least the you know the couple I've seen. I love when they were all like fighting at the at the memorial service for all the dead. It was, yeah, it was both like that's another one of those like weird like. Do they know they're being funny right now, or or like this is very funny because they're all wailing and crying, but like undulating in this pile of people. It was, it was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That scene is amazing. Uh, I particularly love when, like, the government official comes in in the hazmat suit, and he's yes. like, I can tell you, but let's just put on the news, and he's like, oh, the news isn't even on right now. <laughs> uh, I guess I'll tell you that, like, it's such a weird scene. Yeah, well, and, and the first thing he does when he walks in the room is he falls down, which my daughters yeah. are not, my daughters are like, number 10, and then, like, <laughs> and then he, he jumps back up, you know, like, like nothing happened, you know, <laughs> which... Which I mean, even that in a, in in and of itself is probably some kind of commentary. I, I mean, I'm sure that was an intentional. You know, this big government hotshot coming in, immediately falling down, and then jumping up like nothing was wrong. Like he knows what's going on. You know, like yeah, just barely able to do his job. Right. Yeah. <laughs> barely, if at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that scene is delightful. Especially like I don't know, like I feel like the way that they start the wailing like really ramps up into like this full body like flailing performance <laughs> by all of them and the brother just starts beating the crap out of him yeah 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 he, yeah he's so angry yeah and they're all and it's it's an it's a nice introduction to both the siblings too right because we've seen the sister on tv but right. it, it is a fun like yeah. introduction to them as a u- family unit and how they feel about each other yeah. you know one at a time I did think it was interesting in terms of, like, the use of sort of family trauma being passed down from, like, one generation to the next, where, like, a lot of the things we saw in Gong Zhu's sort of parenting style, the grand, the father kind of confirmed in his method and how, like, this is sort of Gong Zhu, like, the very end, Gong Zhu gets a, a second chance mm-hmm. with a new kid to, like, be a better father uh, yeah. that I thought was an interesting sort of element in terms of the narrative. Yeah. Yeah. And at the end, like he's running that little stand by himself. Like he's, he's definitely like straightened up. Like he's not, not as much of a fuck up at the end. He's, he doesn't have like blonde highlights. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. To see that he'd grown. Right. <laughs> because of the passage of time. Our next episode is covering 2022's men. So be sure to check that out. And as always, you can follow us on Facebook at Danger Explosion Presents Headcanon Pod on Instagram at Headcanon Pod on Twitter at Horror Movie Pod and you can always follow the subreddit r slash horror movie pod. Well, all right, y'all have a headcanon you wanna you wanna jump into or I can go first? Go for it. No. Okay. So mine I was I was just so intrigued by this character at the beginning 
the the doctor that tells like Mr. Kim to pour all the formaldehyde down the sink, right? So my head cannon, I want to follow him home. Like what's he doing, right? So he he tells this guy to pour all the formaldehyde down the sink. He goes home, you know, he walks in his living room. And maybe his wife is sitting there in a rocking chair, like, maybe she's got their newborn grandbaby in his arm, right? And he's like, oh, you would not believe the day that I had. And she's like, oh, you know, really tell me about your day. And he's like, oh, there was just this, you know, we had to embalm all these bodies. It was just such a rough day. And then we had to throw out all this formaldehyde, formaldehyde. And as he's talking, he sees, like, this tiny speck of dust land on his grandson's head. And he's like, put him down the sink. And his wife's like, wait, what? And he's like, put him down the sink. That's an order. So then it go, it's an even more, uh, it's a very grim horror movie where he like forces his wife to like shove their newborn grandchild down the sink. Because <laughs> he hates dust more than anything. Yeah. God, that is a good, that is a good twist on that. The, <laughs> the fixation on the dust is so wild. Yeah. Well, I, I imagine him going through a series of, like, getting other jobs and having people, like, dismantle fireplaces and shove it down the sink. But then, the, like, kind of as far, I was like, well, the worst thing I could think of is a baby. So that, that's, you know, <laughs> so that's, that's where I went with it. <laughs> All right. How about y'all? You have a headcanon? You, you want to go, Adam, or you want me to go? No, go for it. Okay. Um, I, I like that this movie was it was made for the Korean people. You know, it's like Jerry Brockheimer directed. You know, the, the, the Korean Jerry Brockheimer directed a movie for Korea. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and so I thought, like, to maybe kind of blend the two things together a little bit, because like the the sewer system. You know, like the whole the whole movie is like The Rock, but in Korea, right? <laughs> like, it, so like at some point, instead of like the American. That, that helps him fight the monster in the beginning. Like, what if it was just like Sean Connery's character in The Rock, and he gets to, like move through and like and like has like detailed plans. I got the plans in my head. Like, you know, he's like he knows the sewer system so well, and he's like he's like log rolling across things and and, and helping to find the daughter of it. Right. <laughs> And he, he brings in Catherine Zeta-Jones to, like, go under some lasers and shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's <laughs> great. It's interesting. My, my, my take also involves the American guy where oh, cool. he, it's really just sort of like a rom-com where it's following him, but he really just wants to break up with this Korean girl, and this happens to be the perfect scenario and situation. <laughs> where... It just sort of tracks in a beautiful montage of him just being like, I gotta, I gotta get out of this. I, I gotta go home. Like, I can't keep doing this. And he's such like a ham of like a stereotype of an American in terms of just how formal he is that I'd love to see him also just like maneuver through this medical situation. Just like, come on, bro. Like, you can't be drilling into my head. Because, oh, he's such a goof. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. <laughs> did you guys, uh, just as I was looking at things, did you look at uh, the next movie he's directing at all? Uh, Boon Joon-ho? He's directing a movie called Mickey 17, which is based off a novel called Mickey 7. Um, but it looks like, his, I think it's his first, I, I don't even know if this is a dual 
production. I think it might just be an. I think yeah, it's an American movie by Warner Brothers. Uh, but it's got Robert Pattinson, uh, Mark Ruffalo, Tony Collette is in it. Um, yeah, which cool. I, I'll watch anything Love with Tony her. Collette. Um, yeah, but it talks about so it says it's a feature adaptation of the science fiction novel by Edward Ashton. Follows the story of Mickey Seventeen, an expendable who is a disposable employee on a human expedition sent to colonize the ice world Niflheim. After one inter- after one iteration dies, a new body is regenerated with most of his memories intact. So, oh, I thought it's I'm 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 psyched. It sounds interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've seen him do it with Snowpiercer in terms of using non-Korean actors, which right, yeah, Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer is a very interesting sort of on its own piece of cinema. Yeah, I'm curious to see him do it. Yeah, I mean. This has a bit of like what is the the Tom Cruise Emily Blood sort of oh uh there they oh something about the tomorrow or um, yeah I remember the the tagline was live die repeat they changed the name I remember at one right. point yeah like, like, watched, it's a great movie was it yeah it's really good yeah Edge of Tomorrow, like tomorrow. that's Edge of Tomorrow yeah yeah tomorrow, yeah. yeah that that yeah, movie I've been is really in that good. thrown in with some outer space stuff yeah yeah I'm down I'll watch it. Again, he's using that like expendable low low class element involved. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and I mean, as as far as the director goes, he he storyboards all his movies by himself. And like in terms of the cinematography of even the host, like and specifically Parasite, like his use of cinematography and metaphor, I think is always really interesting. So him using space is going to be very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm interested to see him like lean more into like a a, a hardcore sci-fi uh, uh, setting. Yeah, for sure. When's that project yeah. come out? Oh, let me see. Release date is March 29th, 2024. So about a year from now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he takes his time between films. Parasite was what two years like, ago. I think it was yeah. 2019. Oh, I think it might have been. Hold on. 2019. I think I watched it before pandemic, maybe. Yeah, it was 2019. It came out. Yeah. Oh, there's also an interesting one called Oakjaw on Netflix. Oakjaw's great. Is it? Is, is it a movie or a show? It's a show. It's a movie. Oh, okay. uh, it stars. Uh, actually, I think it's the same little girl in um, in the host who plays the main character and uh, Tilda Swift, who is delightfully unhinged in it. She is so silly and weird. It's nice. it's, it's a fun watch. Not, yeah, I didn't, I just, I didn't, I was unaware of its existence until I was like reading, you know, for this episode and I, I read about that a little bit. I was like, oh, that looks interesting, you know? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's very good. It's very, it's very much like an animated film, but like with very serious tones. It's, it's beautifully shot. It's so good. Yeah. I'm eager to hear you your, your opinion on it when you see it. <laughs> okay, well, to, and it's is it li- it's live action though? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Nice. But you'll you'll understand like tonally and some of the visuals just feel really exaggerated and over the top. Yeah. That you'll see why why I refer to it feeling like an animated film. I could see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I that I I, I think that makes sense to me. Yeah. So. Yeah. Cool. Well, did either of you have anything else you want to mention about or plug or talk about before we before we wrap up here and sign I've off? I've been going down a YouTube rabbit hole that I really like. Okay, what's that? Yeah. 
I've been I've been watching police interrogation videos. Oh God, they are freaking amazing. <laughs> like I'm under the impression that like there's just no way of convin- of getting out of that of like tricking a, uh, a police investigator. You cannot do it. Yeah, you just cannot do it. Like, these episodes are about an hour long, and they start out with like. Uh, a little clip of the interrogation, but then they go back and they say like what they did with some little animation and stuff, like what what the person accused says the story is, mm-hmm. so, like little animations or whatever. And then they get into the interrogation thing, and it's about an hour long, but it's like it's like you sit back and just watch a conversation, like you're watching a movie, and you see how it all unfolds. These 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 investigators, man, uh, 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 interrogators, like for instance, like this one chick, right? She's like seventeen gets into, like, a love triangle and goes over to the, to the other girl's house, right, where, where the boyfriend is, and they get into a fight, and she stabs her twice, and then there's all this commotion, and she runs away. They catch the girl, and they bring her into the investigation, or the interrogation room, and what the cops know is that the girl died. Oh, shit. What she, this girl doesn't know is that the girl died. She doesn't know that. Right. So they use that strategy to, like, just... Just sort of like you know, get her to say more than what she normally would if she thought she killed someone. Right. This now she just thinks she's aggravated assault. But anyway, they do like these weird tricks like that. You as the viewer, you already know this, so like you feel like you're the you're the interrogator too. Right. <laughs> and it's so neat. I enjoy dramatic irony on on true crime is always fun. Yeah, real. Like, you real... know the truth, but then you hear their lie, how they're trying to get out of it. Because many a times, many a times, the crime happened just like a mere hours ago. Right. Right? Yeah. Like that girl that, that stabbed the girl, like they picked her up like two hours after it happened, brought her in. Like so th- in, in a, in, in, within like three and a half, four hours, she's in the room getting talked to by investing. Yeah. That's why, yeah, that's why you, you shut the fuck up and you ask for an attorney. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's some cool shit. No. Yeah, yeah. Send me that link. I want to. I want to take. I will. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll send you the. Yeah, there's another one where like a guy they they just leave him in the room because he starts talking to himself a little bit. So the investigators just like, we'll just leave him in there. And just yeah, the he just know the cameras on, and he just starts. Did you ever, <laughs> did you ever see there was that HBO special about uh, uh, Robert Durst on HBO where like he actually confessed to the crime in the interview. Yeah, well, at like the very end, it's wild. Yeah, because Brent, if if you don't know what he's talking about, this guy's like mic'd up doing an interview, right? And he excuses himself to go to the bathroom, and like while <laughs> while he's in the bathroom, he's talking to himself. He's like, "Oh, it's all coming apart. It's all coming apart. Like they've you, got you. They've got you. You're gonna get caught. Like, oh, you've gotten away with this for so long, but they finally got like so with the with a fucking microphone on." I'm gonna watch that. Where, where, where's that at? It's on HBO. It's okay, really I, good. I, I have access to that. Okay. Yeah. What well, What was the guy's name, Adam? Uh, Robert Durst. Robert, Robert Durst. Durst. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but if you guys, I've I've been watching. Uh, I'm I'm like four episodes in now or so of uh, Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fun one. Yeah, it's yeah, I'm re- really good ones in there. I'm really enjoying it. It's a fun anthology. Where, you know, every every episode's a different director, and it's uh, yeah, it's. Which like, one are you on? I think I'm four. I think I'm four or five episodes in. The last one I watched is the one with um, it's Lily Anna Amarpour as the director. Uh, with Katie Kate Machucci is the main character. 
It's the one where she wants to have, like, she uses that uh, skin cream, and it, like... Oh, yeah, that one's fun. Yeah, yeah. Is the Katie lady, is she, she's a comedian, right? Yeah, I think so, yeah. She's, she's been on... Yeah. She's been on... I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah she's been in a ton of stuff. Um, she's a good character actress, too. Yeah. Yeah, those are super fun. The, uh, the alien one, I think, is the one that, like, lives in my brain. Oh, I don't but know. I don't know if I've gotten. I don't know yet. if you've seen that one yet. No. so I'm not going to give anything away. Okay, yeah, I, I really, I like the first one with Tim Blake Nelson. Um, yeah. Man, the last one with the rats and like the guy, like the grave robbers. Yeah, the really Victorian one. Yeah, that had some because I, I don't know, like I, maybe I'm a little claustrophobic or whatever, but there were there were periods like points in that that episode where I was like, nope, I'm not enjoying this. <laughs> yeah, they, they really capture like the feeling of confinement. In, in the way that they handle the camera on that one, that's just like, I don't want it. Yeah, yeah, I want to get out now. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, I'll let you guys get going. I know it's it's even later there, Brent, than it is here, but thank you, Adam, for being with us. Always a pleasure. We love talking to you. Oh, yeah. oh. Um, anytime. And yeah. th- thanks for letting me uh, recommend this one. This is a, this is a fun, fun jump back to an old movie I hadn't seen in a while. Yeah. Well, and thanks for showing this to us. I hadn't seen this at all, so. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, thank you everyone at home for listening. This has been Head Cannon.